Welcome to Inspirations in My Backyard. Original, relatable, authentic. Inspirations in My Backyard reflects human journeys shared through inspirational stories around our local heroes. Come and join me. Let's explore now. Welcome to the fifth episode of Inspirations in My Backyard. I'm your host Chen. So today we travel to Mexico. I'm joking. We do travel, yes, to Sydney virtually and speak to a researcher who is from Mexico. She is a senior lecturer at Department Sociology and Social Policy at University of Sydney. Her passion has always been helping people to become who they want to be in different contexts, especially in China's states and higher education. So, what inspired her to do what she's doing, her journey, and her lessons? Let's explore now. Welcome along, Beatrice Carlo Casia. Hi, Tian. Thanks for the invitation to talk to you. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, which was really interesting. So I'm looking forward to this talk. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. So tell us about what you're currently doing. Uh, what am I currently doing? Oh my God, I'm juggling too many things. <laughs> as, as ever. Um, actually, this semester I'm on on sabbatical, on research leave, but I'm also what's really keeping me busy. It's a It's a project on widening in student participation in my school, the School of Social and Political Sciences, funded through a grant from the Commonwealth Government.、Um, so basically, what we're doing is we're providing a little bit of、uh, leadership training and also to students. Most of them who come from what it's called, sort of in in policy speak, you know, equity groups. Which、yeah. are students from low socioeconomic backgrounds, or who are first in family to go to university,、um, mm-hmm. students、uh, with a disability, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students, students who come from rural backgrounds、uh, or remote areas, and so yeah, and and so on, LGBTQI students、mm-hmm. and so on. So we recruited a group of twenty five students. Mm-hmm. And we've provided them with some training on how to lead、um, inclusive events online. And now we're running a series of events throughout the semester, helping us to gather the voices from these students. You know, what does it mean for them、mm-hmm. to feel included, to feel like they belong, to feel like they can meaning- meaningfully contribute to the university community, and to feel part of the university community? And we're doing that.、Um, By calling on and recruiting the the help of a, a few people,、uh, both social entrepreneurs, community developers,、um, a, a, a friend of mine who's a performer who works on mental health,、wow. will also be joining us, and and two colleagues of mine who work on leadership and self transformation. So. That's really exciting, yeah. Yes, that seems、yeah. you know. I feel like it's so meaningful, but also um, it just involves so many people and the groups. But what what inspired you to think of this idea initially? Well, the the truth was very perhaps not so <laughs> inspirational. It was that、um, my school had、uh, won this grant. But the person who who had applied originally for the money, she was on on sabbatical, and nobody else in the in the school, you know, wanted to take on the grant, the project,、mm. because、oh. everybody's so busy, right? And then we had COVID and the whole,、uh. so everything was in disarray. 
Yeah. And so I thought because of this passion that I have working with students and helping students and I could see the stresses that were, you know, took place during the first half of the semester. Mm. Um, I just kind of like put up my hand. I was like, okay, nobody wants to do this. I'll take it and I'll work on, on that. So I guess sometimes you just have to look for opportunities, for leverage points where you can put in place something, you know, everywhere we're all struggling for budget and funding and so on. And so if you, you just kind of have to be, you know, quite sort of open about where these opportunities might come. So it came and I just thought, I just have to take it. As I said, you know, I'm meant to be on sabbatical doing research, just research, but I decided this was too good to to let go. Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you find doing this? It's been a fantastic learning strategy, not just strategy, opportunity, really. We have worked really closely with this core group of 25 students who are basically become our facilitators in our events. So the events are open to the broader school and the faculty, but we have our 25. And so we have really, really robust discussions about what language do we use as academics when we want to talk about students who are marginalized or who, and, and, and to kind of like, how do we move away from this constant uh, language where sometimes it's meant to help, but in that process, it labels students as they have some sort of defect or deficiency. Uh, we need to help them. But actually these students have a lot of strengths, have a lot of gifts that they can provide and share with the, with the university. How do we approach them in a way that their, those strengths and gifts are able to shine? Uh, and when you talk to them, I mean, those who, who are part of that core group, they're really passionate about, you know, making things better for students like them. Because, you know, they're, most of them are in, in their final year of university. Yeah. And they talk about how hard it was for them coming mm-hmm. into university. And some of them telling me that they didn't feel like they belong until their really final year and how they never felt like there were spaces where they could feel like they belonged being a little bit different in terms of background in terms of identity to the mainstream of the university of sydney which in many respects is still a very a university of privilege in many ways you know, a fairly privileged background so what do you do when you're not part of that and how do you how do you belong uh, or what do you do if you're a foreigner and you're an international student and you feel like you're not really on top of the culture and you don't mm-hmm. don't know how to how to fit in so they they're very mm-hmm. um and i guess we also establish a very good relationship where there's um there's trust mm-hmm. uh, and they're able to actually tell me yeah. you know how you promoted this one event we don't think that language is very clear we should use something more direct we should change it so they they're really bouncing off ideas with us and giving mm. us um really what they think. You don't often get that because students feel a little bit reluctant to to really share what's going on with with them when it's not the accepted sort of norm. Yeah, it's been a really good uh, learning experience for myself. Mm. So how long have you been doing this? Um, We only started in August. In August. Wow, so actually it's it's pretty new. It's like only two months. Yes, yes. Two, three months. It felt quite quite intense. Uh, We started off... uh, after the training, um, 
on how to how to lead an inclusive event. Yeah. And in particular, we focused on there's a, a particular event format called the Offer the Needs Market, um, and it's a good way. It's usually used uh, in community development where uh-huh. um, communities are able to kind of like map what kind of assets, what kind of gifts and strengths mm-hmm. the community have that are yeah. not necessarily only about marketable kind mm-hmm. of assets or skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, I don't know, like. Um, I started off in with a, with a friend um, who said, you know, I'm really struggling to do exercise. And I said, well, I'm waking up every morning to go for a run. If you want, I can text you mm. every morning. So even, even just, you know, simple things like that where you start to build relationships and in, those, in building those relationships, um, that's why it's called Offers and Needs, Mm. I offer this um, yeah. and somebody else, I need that. And then you start to match those. Um, so we had, we ran a couple of events, um, uh-huh. a couple of offers and needs uh, marketplace events. Mm. And it went really well because, you know, students would, then they went, oh, you're in my tutorial. So then they started to, oh, let's, let's create a study group or, you know, they, they start to create through those, through those events, you know, they would, talk in a breakout room because these are all events online yeah um with people that probably they maybe even if they're in their own classroom they might mm-hmm. have not talked to them or not mm-hmm. even in a safe way because oftentimes students tell me you know i go into class um especially second and third year who you know they've been at university they've got their mm-hmm. own friends they walk into a classroom and they're really not not really too interested in meeting new people Mm. So maybe first years do that more because they don't know anyone. Yeah. But as they move into their degree, often students they're like not interested in to to really to meet new people. They find it just too too hard, or there's no mm. not really that space to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so these students who again are mainly second and third year, they finding it really helpful, like and really valuable. Definitely. To have a space where they can kind of like more meaningfully mm. connect because it's not just about sharing like, oh, I'm I'm really good at, uh, I don't know, a particular theory, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it can be anything. It can be like um, somebody was saying, you know, I need, a, I need a car and can anyone, you know, if anyone knows. Mm-hmm. Like, it can be a different kinds of mm. relationships that are built that yeah. go beyond their studies and allow people to build trust uh, know a little bit, a little bit more about you know what are people's passions and who like, very who, who creates her music like mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know the technicalities of that mm-hmm. uh, and so other students was like oh that's really cool and I want to know more so there's ways in which through these kinds of events students can have yeah more meaningful can start to build more meaningful relationships with other students yeah and other students like them because that's one of the, one of the things that one of the students was mentioning she said you know um i know the students also come from low ses or first in family like me and so i don't have to explain like to other people and always like feels a little bit awkward to tell but these students they understand me because they come from similar, similar backgrounds, so that's, I think 
Yeah, definitely. I I, I really like this per, this this concept as like offers and and so sorry offer and share. So it's like a marketplace, and because I feel like this would be really good work with well with so many different education institutions. So then it's like building a really good win win situation for for people, but also they can make friends. Um. So then it's just a website, yeah. So then people just register their talents and what they want to they can offer what they want to learn. Yeah, so there is there is actually a, a format, and if you want, I'm I'm happy to. to yeah, thank you. That. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, the website, but it's basically if you go offers and needs, uh huh, market, I think dot org. Mm. To, but I'll send you the I'll send you the link. The 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 main thing is the first thing is to create a safe space where people feel comfortable to share. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing that we we emphasize is that your offers uh, can be free. Or you can it can be negotiable. Or you can barter, or you or you know, or you can actually charge. You know, mm. uh, and sometimes students feel a little bit, and I think we all do feel a little bit uncomfortable to put like a price tag. Yeah. One student who is third year, and he's somebody who, who clearly, you know, he's he's done really well at university, and he's got good public speaking. Um, He's really good at public speaking. He has done mm-hmm. public speaking in, in different contexts. Mm-hmm. And so he was saying, um, I'm offering um, some public speaking coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying, I don't know how much I should because yeah. you know, I don't do this for a job. We saying, yeah. but uh, I think mm-hmm. that I have some expertise and some, yeah, yeah, something to, some insights to offer. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, if anyone wants some public speaking coaching, um, I'm happy to give them like a free first sort of coaching uh, session and then if they want to continue we can negotiate how much so mm-hmm. things like that you know that's a good they idea can, yeah they can already see, sort of see that as a as a as a strength you know and that's a yes. gift that they have mm. another student said you know i'm a i really like to take photos of um of surfers so in, in surfing mm. uh, but i don't do that as a you know as a professional photographer, mm. I don't charge or pay. Mm. And somebody else, she said, you know, somebody else who had seen my photograph said, oh, these are really good photos. You should, you know, maybe um, why not um, do it more professionally? She said, and I really felt very uncomfortable because that was a passion that she had. It wasn't like she wasn't doing it like for business or a job. Uh, but then in that space, you know, if there's somebody else who is a surfer, they can be like, okay, how about you take some photos of me and, you know, we'll see how, how that goes. So, yeah. yeah, in that sense, it's been it's been good. One of my students, she does uh, portrait drawing mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, as a, as a hobby. And I said to mm-hmm. her, would you be willing to do a portrait of my son? So uh, I'm yet to send her the photo. But, I mean, those kinds of things that, yes, right. you know, People have lots of gifts, yeah. have lots of strengths, mm-hmm. uh, but in the regular day-to-day context and mm-hmm. at university, none of those are actually acknowledged or encouraged mm-hmm. or, or seen as some something that allows students to 
to yeah to build relationship. Yeah, definitely. I I totally agree. I feel a lot of times we kind of um, underestimate how much we uh, we can offer, like what what our strengths are. Or some of us we didn't even know that. Oh, actually, we do have these strengths. So you, I can see that um, the keywords of you is inclusion, belongingness, and leadership. Has these three things always been the key parts of you since? When you grow up, like, no, not 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 not. So how did that that develop? Um, in the the literature on <laughs> transformative learning, uh, it says when 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 transformation takes place, uh, or the kind of like the often the triggers of transformation are actually a, a disruption in our lives. So those moments of disruption sometimes it can be even a moment of trauma, and some people might be able to to build a positive transformation out of that. But um, even just without there being trauma, just when there's there's a disruption or a discontent or a disorienting um, thing happening in, in your life, those are moments where you kind of like rethink your path, so to speak. Four or five years ago, um, I was a little bit disillusioned by my academic um, career in the sense that I felt like I was um, yeah, like not really making a difference in many respects. You know, you find yourself that uh, there's a lot of emphasis on research, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's important. Um, but you find that, you know, who's actually reading what I publish, you know, maybe a few other researchers. Like you don't see, and, and of course, you know, I've always been an educator and that's really been one of the sources uh, of greatest reward like for me you know, as part of my job, uh, perhaps sometimes even more than research itself, you know. But um, I just felt like there was, yeah, there, like I could be doing much more and I even considered maybe I should, you know, change, change careers and maybe I should go into sort of more an NGO or community development or working with you um, and so at that time, I was able to, to get a position in China uh, at a university there. And I, I, it was kind of like, you know, sometimes you feel like if you just change uh, the place where you are, maybe things will change and it doesn't change. You know, you have to change inside first. Mm-hmm. But anyway, those, you know, sometimes moving places can also trigger, uh, trigger changes. Mm-hmm. And at that time I did uh, the ULAB um, course, the ULAB Leading from the Emerging Future. Uh, and I just thought, oh, you know, this, this theory, this methodology and the practices that they run, like there will be, it just gave me a kind of like a structure to use to be able to help students also go through their own um, transformative learning uh, experiences um, through things like journaling and reflecting uh, on you know both your past experience but also where you want to go how do we become more self-aware more mindful of the present and not living in our heads all the time and how all those things you know connecting to really to what's important for, for me, that's why I was saying, you know, when you were saying in the beginning, you know, helping people become who they really want to want to be. And oftentimes we don't know, like that was, I guess for me, that was the case that for a long time uh, and probably only as a result of, you know, mid, mid, uh, midlife crisis <laughs> that I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, that you, you start to kind of like look, look inward and go, what is it really that I want? Um, 
to do and what is it really that I want to get out of uh, a career mm-hmm. or a job or uh, and and sometimes you know young people really need help with that because mm-hmm. they feel like they should be going this way they should be mm-hmm. doing that they should be studying that yeah and they often don't have the inner resources to make a, a decision that really feels good for, for mm. them. Like you're just doing that because supposedly it's going to give me a job when I graduate mm. or supposedly I'm going to have more security or in, and so that's, I can't remember what was the question at the beginning, but <laughs> so that's how it all, how it all yeah. started. So I did that course and then, organized the following year I organized a, a called social innovation hub with students and staff back in in, in China mm. and then I came back to Australia again resume my job here and I thought I need to bring this to the university as well mm. and that's I started to kind of like look for for allies and for other colleagues who are kind of like in the same in the same space and luckily mm. there are <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, what's what's the biggest joy you got from this from doing this? Um I guess the biggest the biggest joy is to to see again how students grow and how how they generate their own insights mm. and feel I guess more more sure, more um less anxious yeah I, 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 yeah I really I really get you know a big reward um, one of my students uh, back in China she was in the very last year of her degree mm-hmm. uh, and as you know you know for Chinese students you know studies are like the most important thing mm-hmm. she was you know the last year of her degree but she was really she was really uneasy about what she was doing she really didn't know what she was going to do with her degree or what she wanted to do. She said, I don't think I really know what the world, the real world is. I'm mm. like, I'm so concentrated on my studies that I don't know. And I'm not really sure. So she was, she had this, you know, this, she was in this situation, but for her, there was no way she was going to get out of the studies. And she, she was actually really brave um, in that, you know, she shared these concerns with us and she decided to give herself a year. Wow, and and I, I mean, for her, I can see the courage in that. You know, definitely, it's, it's not it's not common at all. Chinese mm. student, yeah, uh, to say, hang on, I'm you know, I'm just a year off graduating. I'm going to take a year off. I, I mean, luckily, her parents um, supported her. Mm. She ended up doing um, volunteer work in rural Gansu, mm. uh, and then overseas. I think she went to Thailand, and I think she, that really changed changed her life in the sense that it gave her a, a better sense of of purpose and so she came back she she finished with the degree uh, but then she had a better sense because she said you know I'm where I am now is I don't know anything about the real world I don't know what I really want to do and mm-hmm. the next step is just applying for the next degree mm-hmm. uh, without really knowing like mm-hmm what I really want to do, you just apply yeah. for a degree that is the most popular or the one that everybody says you need to do. So that was, yeah, that was really, really great to see uh, how even just taking part in that that course and in the hub with us help. I mean, she had to make the decision, but I think it did help her to, 
to make in making that really huge decision for her. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that's always really, yeah, always really rewarding. Yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing. I think definitely I, I really resonate with that. And I just see a lot of people, they, they don't know what they want to do. So for those students, what would you like to say to them? Uh, I mean, you know, as I said, you know, it's taken me a very long mm. time to, and I guess, again, triggered by maybe, you know, some dissatisfaction with my job or midlife crisis or whatever. Like, don't wait until you're in your forties to, to kind of, um, yeah, learn more about um, mm. about yourself, about who you are, what you really want. Um, learn to be kind to yourself if you don't feel like you have the answers to everything. Mm. Um, yeah, but at the end, in the end, you know. Any transformation of society needs to start with a capacity of individuals to 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 be open to also to change themselves, to change or to transform themselves, to see how we everyone's connected, mm-hmm. um, and they, they, if we are able to to treat others with more empathy, uh, with more compassion then we're, we're going to have a, you know, a better, a better society, better, yeah, better learning, better schools, better universities, better organizations. Something that, um, that I find, you know, I was um, listening to um, a podcast called Radio, Radio Headspace. Uh, Andy Pudicom does a, just a short reflection every morning. And I listened to, to that and he was saying, you know, if you don't, if you're not able to kind of um, look inward at your thoughts and your patterns of thinking mm-hmm. and why you do things, and but to look at them in a kind way, like to be empathetic with yourself, not to go, oh, here you go again. You know, you're always doing that. You're so lazy or you're so judgmental or you're this and you're that. If you're not able to see those and just kind of go, okay, be aware of them and try to do something about them. But in a, you know, in a kind way, in a compassionate way, you know, we're humans, of course, you know, these things happen. So if you don't learn to do that for yourself, then you're not going to be able to do it for anybody else. If you're not Mm. kind, if you're not empathetic with yourself, you're not going to do it to anybody else because Mm. you've never learned that skill. So the inner work is the beginning of any, Mm. any, any other, any other work. Yeah. Mm, Definitely. That would be my short sort of message. Yeah, thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, I I totally feel the importance of exploring ourselves. But also, you um back to the before you talk about for students who are from different backgrounds and how so they they will have better identity and also the belongingness. So, what's your advice for them? That's a that's a that's a hard one, and I think that's one mm, where I'm it's very yeah it's very common. Learning. You have to acknowledge first where you're coming from in terms of, for myself, is the privilege where I come from and that I I don't have the, the you know, the same experience or the same insights that these students have mm-hmm. of being in many ways outsiders or being. So I'm learning a lot from them what it means to, mm-hmm. to belong. But just mm-hmm. to give you a, an example, we are running a, a workshop next uh, next week. We were using the word inclusion 
So what does inclusion mean for you? And and I had a session with them where, you know, I we created a kind of like a set of, of activities and, and reflection questions on, and then I share that with the students and go, okay, what's your, your feedback? And they were saying to me, when you ask us about inclusion, it feels more like this is a policy word. It doesn't have any meaning for me. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were saying, for me, sometimes when they talk, when people ask about inclusion or in documents where the first thing that comes to my mind is actually not feeling included, but, you know, instances or events where I actually felt like I didn't, like, exclude it or didn't belong. So it had kind of like the opposite uh, effect rather than making them think about, okay, so in which context do I feel included? They went like, oh, there's so many contexts where I feel excluded. Yeah. So why don't we change the, the, the wording to talk about belonging or feeling mm-hmm. appreciated? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that sense, they already told me, you know, sometimes we use language that doesn't really help people. I'm learning a lot from them what it means uh, mm-hmm. for those who are not part of the mainstream or who have been, you know, misrepresented or, or discriminated against. Mm-hmm. what belonging and inclusion means uh, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I'm, I'm learning more than, I, I think what I, what I want to do is then, as I said, you know, create the safe space where they can really share their experiences uh, and how they think, you know, mm-hmm. we are doing in this first workshop, we're doing an, uh, a kind of activity called the miracle question. I don't know if you've heard of. of no, no. That, what are they? Uh, miracle questions. Where, you know, Inspirations in my backyard, original, relatable, authentic. It goes something like, you know, you go to sleep and when you wake up, the world is like perfect. You, uh, what would it feel like in that uh, imagined uh, world? How do people relate to you? How, how do things change? So you kind of like get them in the mental space where they start to uh, ambition what it would be like to have a space or a surrounding context where you felt like you you belong and that you know we're not like an outsider so yeah hmm, that's a very very interesting way to think about and to reflect Mm, and also, I know that you are really into social change. So what do you think for other education institutions, what they can do to help these students? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that I've been talking about with some of my colleagues who are also mm. in that and how, how very little we do mm. around that at universities. We tend to privilege disciplinary knowledge, so abstract knowledge, and we have less and less spaces to foster the, the growth of students as individuals, even in, in terms of giving them the tools to better relate to others, you know, work, and in, not just the university, you know, you're going to work in a team, you know, once you leave university, but we've never, you know, we're never really giving you the skills for interpersonal relationships. And so we were saying that uh, we need to pay more attention to how we might embed or build those skills in our normal, in our normal subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, so students, for example, they hate group work. 
they don't know how to collaborate. That's the, the truth. And everybody's sort of busy. And I have found like the usual strategy now of students is to go, okay, so these are the tasks. You do this, you do that, you do that in your own. So that's not really group work. That's like everyone does their own bit. Hopefully everybody will do it. Uh, and then maybe we meet like one hour before the presentation and talk a little bit about what we're going to say. And you can tell that, you know, they start to, there's overlap or they like, the bits don't meet together. Um, and in other instances, you know, somebody ends up doing all, all of the work. Mm -hmm. So if we haven't actually given giving them um, a kind of like um, just the basic way in which we listen to others or their ideas, and if we don't agree, how do we how do we manage that conflict? Um, how do we best um, make sure that um, we're gathering ideas from everyone. Oftentimes, again, you know, international students might feel like um, they're sort of led to the side because maybe their English is not so good and other students might not have the patience to really engage with them. Uh, and feel, and then these students feel like, oh, like, how can I even contribute, right? They feel like they cannot contribute within that context. So that's, you know, that's a, a, a lost opportunity there to yeah. be able to garner the, the knowledge of those students. So unless we teach them how to do that, we give them, you know, the frameworks and the tools to, to do that. Um, and a lot of it, again, it's, it's about paying attention to how I listen to others, how do I behave, how I show up to others. Uh, because that's going to change the relationship with this other person and that's going to change how we collaborate. Creativity, innovation can only take mm -hmm. place in a space where, again, there's psychological safety. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put out my crazy idea <laughs> if I think, oh, they're all going to judge me and say, oh, that's stupid or, mm. oh, yeah, whatever. But if you're yeah. in an environment where you feel like that's how people are going to react, you're not going to say anything. You're not going to, I got this idea, but no, they're going to think it's stupid. So mm. I'm not going to put it out there. So how do you think to be, how to become a better listener? Um, you just need to pay attention to how you listen. Again, with in, in ULAP, there's, there's, a, there's a really good, um, of different levels of listening that shows mm. the different levels of listening and what are the outcomes of how we listen. So, just trying to move towards more empathetic listening, uh, a listening that um, that is not um, not clouded by you know your your judge by judgment or cynicism. You know when you're talking to somebody, oftentimes you're already in your head. You're doing your own judgment of what they are saying. Mm -hmm. So what happens if you put you got okay? I'm judging. Okay, let's. Put that aside and really listen mm -hmm. and try to, again, try to think about why does the person think that way or where are their ideas coming from? It doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that they say, but at least mm -hmm. you are, are present and open to what they're saying and to try to understand where they're, they're coming from. So yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a key skill mm -hmm becomes um, a kind of tool to change how we interact uh, with others. Mm -hmm. If that other person sees that you're going to judge them or you say something and straight away they give you their defensive response or a cynical response, yeah, you know, nothing ever changes. So, yeah, 
good luck with your meditation or good luck with your <laughs> then that person is not going to engage with you right that's so why no mm-hmm. listening is definitely an, a key skill Mm-hmm. yes that's why we have two years one month <laughs> that's the reason <laughs> you know that how thing um the chinese character for listening yeah and that's so how we learn things as well mm. yeah because you, you know it's 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 ears it's head it's heart right Yes, definitely. You remember everything. It's just so good. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying the show, please make sure to follow, share, rate, or leave me a comment. This podcast is written, produced, hosted, and edited by me, Xie Zhang. Stay well, and I will catch up with you next week.